Tonight's New Testament passage comes from 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 7. It can be found on page 2 of your bulletin. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is the word of the Lord. It is a joy to be able to introduce our speaker for this evening, uh, Dr. Julian Russell. Uh, Dr. Russell and his wife, Christiana, uh, happen to be the parents of Andrew. And uh, a minute, so we, we got to give them thanks right there. Uh, but uh, they have had a long and fruitful ministry and continue. Uh, Dr. Russell attended Reformed Theological Seminary, and then he got a THM and a Doctor of Ministry from Covenant Seminary. They planted a church in urban Memphis, and I actually had a chance to worship at that church when I was just doing RUF, visiting down there. Uh, It's wild for me to think that I may have been in the same room as Andrew back then. (laughs) After that, they served on the staff of Park City Presbyterian. And then uh, just when you think they might say, hey, we're going to rest a little bit. Oh, and by that time, Christiana was also teaching in the Dallas Public Schools. Uh, After that, they decided to pick up everything and go back to the Bahamas to start um, a Bahamas partnership as part of the arm of Mission to the World, which is this denomination's mission arm. And they're faithfully leading that work as well as planting another church. So uh, this is an example to us of uh, saints whose love for Jesus keeps driving them on. And by my account, they've been married for 41 years. They have three adult children, married, and lots of grandchildren. Uh, And so we are so uh, privileged that you're here and want to welcome you both. Dr. Russell, will you come and bring the word of God for us? Very pleasant good evening to everyone. I bring you greetings from the myriads of folk in Dallas, Memphis, Orlando, and Nassau, Bahamas. All the behemoths in the house, just wave. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Um, There's a thing in the Bahamas called Junkadum, and there's a favorite group called the Saxons. But we are Valley Boys, and the phrase is, they coming. Now, how do I turn this on? Is it on already? Okay, good. <laughs> One time at PCPC, I had to, um, I had to, I had to speak. You can't hear me. <laughs> I had to speak, and um, and the mic fell off. And I'm projecting at a church that holds about three, four thousand people. 
And folks didn't even realize that I was projecting. Um, Let's look to the Lord and be blessed by his presence with us. Father, we do thank you and praise you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this occasion. Look down in mercy upon us, especially this one who stands before you, Father, for his sins are many. Father, we want to see Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. I thank God for the scripture reading that was given. Um, When Andrew told me what was about to happen, I I asked him, why don't let Randy do it? And, uh, And I'm so glad for my brother Randy Neighbors, who's been like a surrogate father to Andrew and my favorite daughter, Jamila, while they were on the, on the mountain at Covenant College. And it's so good for them to be here. The title of my sermon is, Remember How God Works Through Us. Pastoral ministry is very difficult. It's not for the faint-hearted. According to a late 2021 Barner research, Nearly two in five pastors have considered quitting full-time ministry because of burnout. The research also indicates that 46% of pastors under the age of 45 say they are considering quitting full-time ministry, compared to 34% of pastors 45 and older. Barna concludes by saying, keeping the right younger leaders encouraged and in their ministry roles, will be crucial to the next decade of congregational vitality in the United States. So we need young men like Andrew. So how does a man of God get to this point? How does a pastor or or get to this point? Experience has taught me to be leery of pursuing... um, empirical success in ministry. I met Brother Glenn Hobart several years ago when he and I were, by God's providence, selected as 30 men to be poked and prodded by the Lilly Foundation. And, and they disco- we discovered why ministry is tougher than we think. Um, but I'm leery of success in ministry. Because the one who pursues success in ministry will soon discover that the goddess of success will demand your time, demand your marriage, demand your family, Andrew, and eventually your commitment to faithfulness to the one who has called you. So Paul is telling Timothy, first of all, in the first four four verses of this passage, Paul is remembering Timothy And he was encouraged by those memories. So here is a brother who has been faithful to the Lord to the point of death several times. There there hasn't been people like Paul in New Testament history. But he has reached a point. He is now in a Roman prison again. And it seems as if the end is near. And it seems as if Paul is about to become discouraged. And he's looking back on his life wondering if what he had done was worth it all. But he's telling young Timothy, he says, My dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. And then verse 4 he says, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Timothy, you've been an object lesson of encouragement to me, unbeknownst to you. 
This same brother, I experienced this about 33 years ago. One of the most poignant passages of scriptures for me personally is found, is found at the end of Paul's second letter to Timothy. Verse chapter 4, listen to verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Damas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus Dal to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Why? What a way to end a life that has, was that was lived out in the public for so many years. A life that saw countless numbers of people come to faith in Christ, and he's now alone. Paul mentioned the faithfulness of his forefathers, of his ancestors. My friends, the faithful God of yesteryears is the same God. We can trust this unchangeable God even when our situations go from bad to worse. Second thing Paul wants us to see, especially you, Andrew, he exhorts Timothy. Not only did he remember Timothy and was encouraged by those memories, he exhorts Timothy to remember God's covenant faithfulness. Yeah, God is faithful to his covenant. He says, Verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul remembered Timothy's upbringing. He says, genuine faith, sincere faith, the kind of faith that, that sticks to it no matter what you're going through. There was a point in our marriage when I was totally paralyzed, broke, busted, disgusted, had lost my job, and was losing my faith. And my wife, who is the daughter of a Baptist preacher, who now sits in glory after 102 years on this earth, my wife stood solid and said, we are going to trust in God no matter what. I told her one day, listen, why don't we take the tithes and offering and use it? Because in essence, God wasn't looking out for us as far as I was concerned. And living on $20 a week for grocery with me and her, and she's pregnant with our daughter. And Andrew's a, Andrew and his brother are toddlers. And she says, no, we give God first. We watch God, boy. So, Andrew, I've seen, I know what sincere faith looks like. I saw it in your mother. I saw it in her father. And so, and so Paul appeals to the faithfulness of his ancestors and he's encouraging Timothy to remember God's faithfulness in his, in his heritage as well. By historically, Timothy's mother and grandmother were believers. Their father wasn't at this time. But a covenant keeping God works through families, friends. He, 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 he discovered a, a moon worshiper, a pagan, in Ur of the Chaldees. And he says, Abraham, I, I want you to leave your situation and go to a place that I've shown you because I want to bless you. I want to make you a blessing. And through you, I want to bless all families of the earth. God works in families. It was a good Friday in 1988. And I was reading to Andrew and his brother the Easter story, the crucifixion. And my wife was in the kitchen as usual. See, she, she cooks delightfully. 
cooking for my wife is an art. She does, she, you know, she comes from a long line of great cookers. They're not chefs. They put their feet in it, if you know what I mean. And she's in the kitchen, and, and, and I'm telling Andrew the story, and, and the look on Andrew's face, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to it, but she noticed it, and she says, Andrew, do you want Jesus to be your Savior? I wouldn't tell you what we did, but we did give him a little cup of vinegar to drink, just not a cup, but a little cap full of vinegar just to taste, to, as we were explaining how Christ endured the agony of Golgotha. And then I took a can open and gently pressed it, on his skin. I didn't break the skin. I said, Andrew, they pushed the nail through his hand. And the look on Andrew's face at four years old. And my wife and I, we, we prayed with Andrew and, and, and led him to Jesus. And if that wasn't sufficient, the next year, I was given front row seats. Anybody remembers the power team? Those big, strong guys who just do all these feats. And when, and when the guy says, who wants to be a Christian here today? <laughs> Andrew raised his hand, and the rest of the story is, we've watched you, Andrew, from birth. Live godly. We built a, bas- a half court in our backyard in Nassau, and, and I didn't want my kids to go play in the other neighbor's yard because we were the only ones who went to church. But they came in our yard, and I would hear Andrew telling his, his neighbors that they needed to know Jesus. And I watched this young man grow up to become a godly man. As I said earlier, Andrew's grandfather was a Baptist minister, and he is now in that great cloud of witnesses watching this moment. Andrew and Jason were church rats in Jamila. We were Baptists then. I mean, we in church Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. They were there. Just being exposed to the gospel. When Andrew went to Covenant College, Andrew went to study biology. And one day he says, Daddy, if I do biology, if I become a doctor, I'll only do it for the money. And, and, and I know, Randy, that he was wrestling with what he should do with his career. But I never told Andrew, hey, why didn't you take up the family business? <laughs> I never told him that. Because I have enough sense to know that you're either called or you're crazy. You remember, you know, there's a joke in the New Testament. There's this man who was in a garden, who was in a tomb, who was in chains, and Jesus delivered him from bondage. And he came to Jesus and says, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus told him, you're not crazy enough. In essence, go back to your family and tell them about Jesus. Because, you know, you you got to be called to follow me. And when Andrew told me he wanted to pursue the Lord in ministry, I was like, praise God, brother. I'll never encourage you to go that, but I'll support you if you do. And I'm glad I'm here tonight to be a part of this great event. Paul told him uh, that Jesus brought a new covenant to God's people. And that's what he says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 15. Paul says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world. The reason he came is to save sinners. That's why Jesus came. Jesus is the instrumental cause. He is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. All the riches of God is embodied in Christ. And it flows through Jesus. He's the means by which these blessings flows to us. 
Paul tells Timothy, and I tell you, Andrew, fan the flames. Even though we are saved by God's sovereign grace, sovereign grace, he enables us and expects us to participate in the use of our gifts. Andrew, you're saved by grace, but he expects you to utilize your gifts for his glory. He exhorts Timothy to keep stirring up a fire to keep it burning bright and strong because a fire that is left unattended will always burn out. Remember the songs your mother taught you, especially that one, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. As I said earlier, uh, Pastor Glenn and I, we met a lady, I don't know about you Glenn, but when I listened to Diane Langberg, Dr. Diane Langberg, several decades ago, it was as if I was listening to my dying grandmother. And I paid heed to what this woman was telling us. And she gave us four principles to govern our marriage and our ministry. And I want to turn them over to you, Andrew, and to you, this audience. Principle four, she says, the gifts of God, when used in obedience to God, brings glory to God. I'll, I'll repeat it. The gifts of God, when used in obedience to God, brings glory to God. This is the mystery of progressive sanctification. Paul told Titus that the grace that saves us teaches us also. The same grace that saves us from sins is the same grace that teaches us how to live godly when everybody else is going in the wrong direction. And then he says in verse 7, number 3, Timothy, remember God's faithfulness to the ministry of his Holy Spirit. Andrew, not only remember God's covenant faithfulness, but remember God's faithfulness to the ministry of his Holy Spirit. For God, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. More than 25 times in these two letters to young Timothy, Paul mentions... Uh, he encourages Timothy to be bold. More than 25 times. Although Paul and Timothy had two very different dispositions, our brother urged Timothy to not shy away from confrontation and to stand in the strength of God's faithful presence. Andrew and I are very different. I'm loud, confrontational. Andrew is, Andrew is soft and gentle. At least Andrew, we once knew it, Chris. <laughs> He went to the mountain and never, and nothing was ever the same. There were times in our house when, when we lived in Memphis that Andrew would go off to school and Jason and Jamila and Chris and me, I mean, the, the house was so quiet that you could study in any room. And when Andrew showed up, you were certainly brought like 12 people with him because it was so loud. It's like, what happened to our child? But Paul is telling Timothy, I know you have a propensity to be timid. And I'm loud and I, I cause a ruckus. But to be bold, be fearless. You know, as a young pastor of a flagship church at Ephesus, Timothy had great responsibilities. He needed to hear Paul on the sidelines cheering him on. 
And that's why Randy is here tonight. That's why men like Dr. Ryan is here tonight and others. We are on the sidelines cheering you on. I got news for you, my friends. We all face situations where we feel varying degrees of fear. For some of us, public speaking make us afraid. Others of us are afraid of confrontation, while others fear rejection. We all deal with fear. And Andrew, while you possess a, a common human predisposition to become fearful at times, remember this, fear is not from God. It is not from God. Therefore, we must understand that God has given us his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us power, love, and a sound mind. And, and, I, and I want you to notice something. I want you to look in your bulletin and look at verse 2 in this text and look at verse 7. Paul does something very brilliant here. And he must have been inspired. He says in verse 2, he says, um, my, To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And he ends verse 7 by saying, God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. A spirit of power is nothing else but, but God's enabling power. That's grace. The power is grace. The Holy Spirit lives in every believer. Andrew, he lives in you and he will guide you into all truth. He will transform you and enable you to do far more than you can ever imagine. So I urge you, surrender to him every day. Amen. He's given you not only a spirit of power, but a spirit of love. And the Old Testament word for love is chesed, mercy, loving kindness. That's what mercy means. It's the kind of love that looks on us in pity and transforms us because we cannot change our situations. Not just accepts us for who we are, but it literally transforms us. And this love is not the manipulative kind of love that's designed to control others. No, it, like Jesus, it, this love is expressed in how much we can love and serve others. Jesus says, I give you two great commands. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. Who's my neighbor? Andrew, your neighbor sitting next to you. That's your closest neighbor, Stephanie. <laughs> Something else I learned from Diane Langberg. She says, principle number two. The big mission is lived out in the little missions. I need to break it down for all the husbands in the house tonight. Jesus was doing battle with the devil in the desert. He comes back to Cana, to his hometown in Nazareth. And they're at a wedding of Cana of Galilee. And his mother comes to him and says, Jesus, we have a problem. And somebody may have asked her, what? Did somebody fall down die and die? Did the bride die? Did the groom die? No, they ran out of wine. I mean, it's like, Mary, don't you know who Jesus is? He's a very important man. He is the savior of the universe. You know, Andrew, when you go home in your house, no matter what we think of you outside of that house, as far as Stephanie is concerned, you are her husband and you are the father of her children. 
So I urge you, Jesus took water, common water, and turned it into fine wine that night. Just the little, the little things. Just did something so little. And John says, many believed in him that day. Andrew loved Stephanie enough to do those little things. Yes, you've been called to be a pastor, but you, you've been called to be a husband. And Paul says to you in, in Ephesians 5 and 25 that you must love Stephanie as Christ loved the church. First Peter tells you, that if you don't love her, God won't answer your prayers. First Peter 3 and 7. Dwell with your wives according to knowledge, husband, so that your prayers are answered. When I saw that, Glenn, the first time I closed the book and I said, I didn't see that. <laughs> Holy Spirit says, gotcha. 41 years and, I, and I'm still trying. Gives us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a Spirit of sound mind. That's peace. That's shalom. It's not the absence of war. It's the presence of all of God's goodness. This sound mind is a calm, self-controlled mind. And it's in contrast to the panic and confusion that comes in a fearful situation. Andrew, I want to borrow from Don Guthrie. He says, fear and timidity will keep us from using the gifts God gives God wants us each to take his power, his love, and his calm thinking and overcome fear to be used of him with all the gifts he gives. Several months ago, I was, I was here in D.C. again to see our grandchildren. And while here, I was invited to a most refreshing evening uh, at a hotel. And I heard the band play and I heard them sing. And Nabil Ince, Dr. Irwin Inson sang a song, Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. And I was pointing to Dr. Ince. I was pointing, and as they were singing the song, Randy, I said, Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. In October of 1997, when I, when I, was, uh, when I was installed into the PCA, I learned from Y. Plummer that I was on the front line of being tall, dark, and handsome men in the PCA. I was like, why? What do I, what do, I do? Why? why? says Julian, ain't much else, bro. <laughs> I may have been, I don't know, I may have been number five or number seven, but I was in the first ten. I represent yesterday. Dr. Irvin N.C., he, he represents in many ways today. Andrew, you represent tomorrow. You represent tomorrow. They coming. They coming. I remember February 13th, 1988, two days after Andrew was born. See, I'm the historian. I'm the unofficial historian in my family. I'm the kid who remembered dates. February 13th, I held up Andrew and I said, oh God, you said in your word, the male who opens the womb shall belong to you. And like Kunta Kinti, I held him up <laughs> and I gave him back to Jesus. And my wife was right there with me. Yes, Lord. February 13th, 1976. Lord, help me to endure this. I was, I was almost 21 years old. And two days earlier, for the first time in my existence, I felt love for my father. I was afraid of him. And I fell in love with my father on February 11th, 
1976. Up until then, whether I believed in God or not, I believed that there was a hell and my father was going to go there. And on February 13, 1976, I watched my father bow before holy God and repented of his sins and asked Jesus Christ to become his savior. And here I am tonight. On that very day, my father also called me in the presence of all my siblings and my mother. And he laid hands on me and he asked God to bless me. And I have been blessed so richly. And look, look, look at God, as they say in the Bahamas. Look what God has done. On that very night, I get to lay hands on my son. Curse has been broken. The peace of God that passes knowledge and understanding is flowing through me, through Andrew, and hopefully one day through your sons, Andrew. Welcome to this brotherhood of men who live totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Men who express their dependence by looking steadfastly to Jesus, the one who has called them. I know I left you hanging, and I deliberately left you hanging in this sermon, because I'm asking you to fan the flames in the word that Paul uses. And you wonder, well, well, yeah, well, what does it mean? What does Paul mean by fanning the flames? Well, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 people. And they came back to Jesus and they were rejoicing. They said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to your name. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in this, that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice rather that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So how do you keep the fire ablaze? First thing you must not do, you must not, Andrew, look to your accomplishments. Do not look to your accomplishments. And I say to every Christian in this room tonight, do not look to your accomplishments. Look to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, don't look at what you did. Don't look at what you just saw. Don't look at what you just witnessed. Look at what I have done. Remember what Christ has done. Many years ago, a brother was struggling with his faith in Germany. He's a friend of mine. I look forward to seeing him one day. He's one of my favorite people on earth. He struggled so much. He was so fearful of his relationship with the Holy God that he suffered spiritual anxieties. And he would go to confession three, four, five, six, seven times a day. And one day, the vicar general of that abbey, of that monastery, John Staupitz, told him, Martin Luther, look to the wounds of Christ. That's how you find the flames, Andrew. You look to the wounds of Christ and you gaze upon what Christ has done for you. And the same Paul who admonishes Timothy says, God will transform you from glory unto glory unto glory. Do not ever consider your accomplishments. Do not ever consider your value in the kingdom of God. Consider the love and the faithfulness of the king. 
In his great name I pray. Amen.